the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel of AZ Central, Arizona Republic, and Ricochet.com. Very happy to welcome on a guest, Philip Wegman. I'll actually give his full name, Philip Melanchthon Wegman, and uh, raised as a good little Lutheran boy. I recognize the Melanchthon reference there. Uh, How are you doing, Philip? (laughs) Not bad, not bad. Uh, It's close, but no cigar. I am not Lutheran. My parents just had a giant appreciation for uh, German reformers <laughs> when, uh, when they had me. And they were like, let's give this kid a middle name that he'll never be able to spell. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Well, you're right for Real Clear News, and uh, you're their White House reporter. So we've been talking about kind of on the, the past couple hours on the ground in Afghanistan and what's going on in Kabul. What's the mood of the White House like? Well... Biden's barely there anymore, apparently. But um, any sense of the mood on the ground there? The mood is that the White House is lonelier than usual. Normally around August, things slow down. Um, You've got Congress coming in and out because of recess. The president tries to squeeze in a few weeks of vacation. But one would think that with the uh, crisis on the ground in Afghanistan, that he would be back at the White House 24-7. Uh, and that we'd be hearing from him, you know, if not every day directly, uh, that we would be hearing from his, his deputies. Instead, that hasn't been the case. Uh, you know, Joe Biden had to be sort of shamed into leaving Camp David, coming back to the White House and addressing what's going on. And just yesterday, uh, we were in the East Room. Uh, the reporters were in the East Room. We expected the president to, to make remarks. Um, about COVID, which is something that the, the White House wanted to address, but we expected him to stick around maybe and take a few questions. Instead, um, he turned on his heel, he walked out of the room, didn't say the word Afghanistan once, and didn't take a single question. Uh, it has been um, a pretty quiet White House. They are hoping uh, that things take care of themselves on the ground in Afghanistan, and uh, I think they're hoping and praying that it happens quickly so that they don't get pestered about it anymore. Yeah, it's just amazing to see uh, today they released a photo talking infrastructure. Yesterday, as you note, talking COVID. Uh, when in doubt, attack Ron DeSantis in Florida. That's, that seems to be the play that they make. So are they just this concerned just only with optics? Because as I was telling our last guest, Noah Rothman, in these kind of international crises, uh, just like a governor of a Gulf State or Florida um, when there's a hurricane bearing down, they want to be seen rushing there, on the ground, calling people, doing stuff. You know, at least it looks like they're really on the ball. Biden just wanted to hang out in Delaware, hang out at Camp David, give a quick speech and then flee, basically. Do they really think this is like a messaging problem, a PR problem, a political problem, instead of the humanitarian and military and foreign policy crisis that it actually is? Well, if you, if you look closely at the things that Ronald Klain, the White House chief of staff, is tweeting and retweeting, uh, you'll see that 
they don't think that this situation is as bad as people are making it out to be. You've got uh, Ronald Klain, who is religiously retweeting um, Jen Rubin of the Washington Oof. Post, who's arguing that, um, yeah, there was always going to be a little bit of chaos on the ground. What I think is really interesting here is Joe Biden made up his mind. He, he wanted to pull out of Afghanistan, and he did it. And then when he promised uh, earlier in July that it wouldn't be anything like Vietnam, that the Afghan army could hold, that the government there uh, was capable of dealing with the task at hand, about a month later, it all fell apart. And I think that what's interesting is, you know, you don't have Biden in those crisis response moments that you just outlined. It's not like he's, um, you know, Rick Scott in Florida, uh, you know, with his FEMA hat on dealing right. with the situation. Instead, Biden made up his mind and he sort of uh, went for it. And, you know, you can see in his latest interview with, with uh, George Stephanopoulos, um, he doesn't like to be questioned on this. He, he doesn't like to be questioned on, on the way that, you know, things happened because uh, he, he sat in his ways. And, I, I, and John, I think that this is this reflects something else. This reflects something larger, which is if you're looking for the theme of the Biden presidency, this guy legitimately believes that the majority of his work was accomplished um, on Election Day and as soon as the Electoral College vote was certified. Joe Biden believes that his biggest accomplishment has been replacing Donald Trump. And I think that, uh, you know, he's, he's not interested in sort of the other things uh, that, that, you know, would thrill someone who had never been in the White House. I, I think that he believes you replaced Trump, um, and now he's going to put into some of, some of the plans he had in motion. And, you know, there might be consequences, but, uh, you know, he, he's not really interested in, in explaining those. And, um, you know, that's, that's not opinion. That's not uh, opinion dressed up as analysis. That's just what we've seen uh, from this White House in the last week. Yeah, it's kind of amazing to watch. Um, I had a tweet remind me of this, and I was too young to really know what was going on at that point. But uh, Gerald Ford was president um, briefly, and uh, he was the one who was stuck with the fall of Saigon. We had already pulled out troops two years earlier. He had nothing to do with the decision. Uh, the embassy rescued every single American. Uh, the famous helicopter on the roof photos. They rescued a lot of Vietnamese allies, a lot of little kids, orphans and things. They got them out of the country. And uh, this was considered the worst black eye we had ever had. So what he did is he immediately went before the press, gave about, I think it was a 38-minute speech, took more than 20 questions from reporters, took full responsibility for everything, even though literally he had nothing to do with the situation. It was all done by Nixon and Johnson and a little bit by Kennedy. Um, but he stood up and... Uh, address the American people and uh, talk to the media. And Biden kind of came into office thinking he was going to be the next FER. He's not even the next President Ford. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was remarkable to me that we were able to pepper uh, Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, with questions. We were able to question Jen Psaki, uh, but we weren't able to push the president on what is, you know, undoubtedly the largest foreign policy blunder uh, of his young presidency. And what, to, to, to Sullivan's credit, I mean, he, he stood there at the podium and he took his lumps. I mean, uh, you know, I asked him uh, a follow-up, which was, you know, will the federal government commit to getting every American out of Afghanistan? 
And after he had gotten pushed, uh, he eventually said, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to commit to that. Of course, the caveat is, um, you know, the U.S. government's going to get Americans out if they can get to the airport. But it was interesting that, you know, you had these deputies facing the music for just this terrible decision. Uh, but Joe Biden went and sat down with George Stephanopoulos. He did not sit down with the uh, the press pool. Uh, he just sort of wanted to wash his hands of it, move on. And, um, you know, that's why you see the, this administration talking about infrastructure, talking about uh, vaccines. But um, you know, not to be glib, how are they going to get vaccinated? How are they going to get the Americans stuck in Afghanistan vaccinated? Right, I mean, right. And, yeah, are they going to praise the Taliban for bringing burqas back so that way at least the women are masked? You, you know, it's just insane <laughs> that they're treating this. I, again, it's just, you know, I've I worked in the private sector for many years. I did a lot of marketing, a lot of PR on the side, a lot of crisis comms. And even I'm screaming, this is not a crisis comms problem. This is an actual real problem. And uh, good, you know, good policy is going to end up with uh, good politics. Uh, solve this first, then figure out how to spin it. Um, yeah, it, it's just amazing to see. And uh, yeah, Ron Klain, uh, who many kind of view as the shadow president, as the chief of staff in the White House, um, it's like nobody's covering themselves in glory because they're all passing the buck. Um, you know, I, I went the first six months or so of the Biden administration thinking, wow, so who's actually the power behind the throne? Who's actually running this thing? And after the past, I don't know, five days or so, I thought, wow, maybe it's no one. <laughs> maybe it's no one willing to take responsibility and say, hey, yeah, um, here, here are the changes we're going to make. It's a mess right now. Here's how we're going to fix it. You can trust us. And I just feel like everybody's just kind of passing the buck and trying not to personally indict Biden, uh, whether it's uh, someone at the DOD talking or someone at state talking or, you know, Jake Sullivan talking. They're all kind of afraid to throw their boss under the bus, even though their boss is basically throwing them under the bus. Yeah. And look, if you if you go back to the campaign, the central thesis was that Joe Biden was going to be this elder statesman who had all kinds of experience that here at home he could be the adult in the room who could unify a divided country and abroad uh, he could restore america's standing on the world stage uh but you know before that uh his his polling was uh trending the wrong direction americans were pessimistic about the direction of the country and uh that was even before things went haywire on the ground in afghanistan yep yep uh we have to go to an ad break can you stay with us to the bottom of the hour yeah. Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. We're talking with Philip Wegman, and uh, he's with Real Clear News. We'll talk to him a little bit more after we come back from the brief ad break. Hang on with us. You're on 960 The Patriot. Welcome back to 960 The Patriot. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth Liebson. And we have Philip Wegman on. Uh, he writes for Real Clear News, covering the White House. Uh, so he has a little more insight into what the heck is going on over there. Um, he was just saying how Biden won't give, won't allow unscripted questions at his statements. Instead, he throws his staff at the wolves, essentially. Um, and they don't really have great answers, as we've seen in every press conference. Uh, anytime Jake Sullivan's been on TV, Anthony Blinken's been on. Uh, Secretary of Defense has been on, um, General Milley has been on, uh, they don't have a lot of answers because the buck 
ultimately stops with Joe Biden, even if he won't admit it. Um, this kind of stuff is just bad leadership. If you're running an organization, you got to be out there taking a few hits with alongside the team. It seems like this is a very bad strategy going forward as it'll just kind of create resentment in his staff. Yeah, and if you are a Democrat looking to the midterm elections right now and you are in a, a district that's not safe, are you going to graft behind Joe Biden and hope that the moderate voters come out to support you? I think that that is pretty unlikely. Um, this is going to have ripple effects, not just with regards to foreign policy, uh, but also to the president's domestic agenda. Um, you know, the president is not in a position right now to be whipping uh, moderate Democrats in the House who are slamming the brakes on his infrastructure package and on his budget reconciliation uh, because, you know, he's, he's nowhere to be seen. Uh, it's not like you can really turn the screws on 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 those moderate Democrats uh, when the focus is on what the heck is going on in Afghanistan, and he hasn't even uh, he hasn't answered for for why all the things that he said wouldn't happen uh, when they actually did. Yeah, and uh, just just to think that they thought this would be another sleepy August, um, like uh, I don't know if you're an office worker in France, yeah, you get to take the whole month of August off. Uh, but when you're doing executing this very important withdrawal, how did they think that <laughs> they were just going to have a sleepy month? Um, is it true that Jen Psaki was just radio silence as uh, Kabul was falling because messages were just being sent to voicemail? Yeah, you would uh, send an email to Jen and you would get a automatic reply, which said that she was going to be out of the office until August 22nd. Now, she ended up coming back to the White House. Uh, on Monday when the president did give his remarks. But, um, you know, she she has not been super accessible. There's been one press briefing. Uh, but again, you know, what is she going to say? What answers is she going to give that are going to bring clarity to this situation? Um, so far, Biden's defense has been uh, to focus on the larger overall question, which is that, you know, it was time to leave Afghanistan. But that's a, that's, that's a bit of obfuscation there. Uh, it's bipartisan that people want us to leave Afghanistan. Polling shows that the majority of Americans support leaving. That's not the question. The question is, how did we actually leave? And, you know, the, the issue is, you know, are we turning the page on this 20-year war appropriately? Um, it doesn't seem to, to be the case that, that we're doing a particularly good job at that. Uh, and you know, the, the president is open to legitimate criticism when he can't even get his own people home. I mean, I, I was talking to Senator Bill Haggerty the other day who told me that he's in contact with Americans right now who are in safe houses near the airport there in Afghanistan, and they're trying to figure out when they're going to make a run for it, when they're going to run past the Taliban to try and get on one of these flights. Yeah, it's just absolutely appalling what's going on. And that they just couldn't foresee this stuff is just kind of mind-bending because you would expect, especially, too, with the Pentagon, um, you know, I've heard my entire life that they're out there wargaming any possible situation that could possibly happen. You know, what if we got uh, wrapped into a war in Burkina Faso? Okay, let's wargame this out and make sure we're ready. You know, no matter how out of um, out of the ordinary a situation would be, they were supposed to be on it. And now everybody's, when they aren't pointing fingers, they're just like, yeah, we're at a loss. 
And Biden, who's supposed to be in charge of this thing, is just nowhere to be seen. It's kind of amazing. Um, does he have any more uh, press availabilities planned for the future or at least a speech coming up? Yeah, I don't think we're going to hear from the president uh, this week. I looked at the schedule and I've actually been you know, pretty alarmed. Um, one, that after he gave his first speech on Afghanistan on Monday, that he decided to go back to Camp David. Uh, two, I've been surprised that we haven't even had you know, more press availability at the, at the White House. Um, I think that at this point, uh, you know, we, we might get a Friday news dump, um, but I don't think that, you know, the, I don't think the president is going to try and, and come out and, and uh, fix the situation because clearly, um, you know, now's not the time for, you know, a speech. Certainly he needs to be, you know, held accountable for the decisions that he made, but any words from him are not going to fix the situation. And, and frankly, uh, you know, we see French special forces out there going to get their people. Um, the question is, why is the United States relying on the benevolence of the Taliban uh, to help our people get out? Um, this is this is a, a pretty pivotal moment. And, and what I think is, is, is really interesting here is this is not just a, a political moment. It's also a cultural one in that. There's, there's very little faith in so many of our institutions anymore, whether it's the media, or the academy, or government. But one institution that a lot of Americans still have faith in, regardless of their politics, was the military. I, I don't see how you turn the page and maintain uh, that confidence in this institution. I don't, I don't think that there are going to be as many people uh, willing to send their sons and daughters to make you know very difficult sacrifices if... This is what they watch as the, um, you know, the, the final moment in Afghanistan. Yeah, I get contacted periodically. I uh, served a glorious, heroic four whole years in the Navy. So obviously I'm no uh, war hero in this, but I'll get asked from people. I was on a submarines in the reactor operator position, and I'll get people calling me, hey, my son's thinking of joining the military. He just wants to ask a few questions. He's thinking of going into the same program or maybe doing subs. Could you chat with him? had great chats. I know a lot of them ended up joining the Navy. Uh, now I'm going to be very, very hesitant before I recommend that because it's, you know, say 10 years ago, it wasn't for everyone, but it can be a fantastic decision for many people um, who want – I joined because I knew I needed self-discipline. I was a slacker all through high school. I was always the kid who uh, – smart kid, doesn't apply himself. And I wanted someone to whip me into shape and it was a great experience for me. Very thankful that I got the opportunity but now, uh, yeah, you look at these people, and I'm talking to people who are like third, fourth generation U.S. military in various branches, and they're like, oh, no, I have a son who's 12 now. I'm telling him not to join, uh, at least until somebody gets their act together. Um, it's deeply concerning, especially when they've been spending most of their airtime complaining about white rage and Republicans in the armed services that they want to basically reprogram. Uh, they've really taken their eye off the ball. Well, check out Philip Wegman's work. He is over at Real Clear News. And also check out Real Clear Politics. That's a great site because they link my articles quite often. So, <laughs> so that means they have great judgment. But thanks so much for being on. Really appreciate it, Philip. Hey, thank you, John. Anytime. All right. We will be back um, after the news break. Uh, give us a call, by the way. We've got half an hour left, 602-508-0960 if you want to talk about any of this. See you on the other side. Little ACDC for you folks here. 
All the hits on 960 The Patriot. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth Liebson. Thanks to Seth for allowing me the microphone. If you want to call in, we've been talking Afghanistan the whole, well, two and a half hours so far. We've got half an hour to go. So give us a call, 602-508-0960, if you need someone to vent to. Um, yeah, I've been getting messages I mentioned earlier from especially my vet friends just saying, what on earth is going on over there? This is crazy. We've never seen anything like it. Um all I can think to do is somebody needs to be held responsible for this, and they'll probably pick, I don't know, some paper pusher uh, buried in the Pentagon or Intel services somewhere. Everyone should resign. This is absolutely insane. Um, the Department of Defense, Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, he would not guarantee that they could get out all Americans. He said, well, we'll keep extracting them until the clock ticks out. You you can't say that. You can, you can never say that. Um, he's not even getting to our Afghan allies, which I... You know, we definitely should be getting out the Americans first. And right now, they've been the minority of people who have flown out on these flights. Um, as of today, now most of the flights are like 40 percent full, 50 percent full. Um, a lot more people need to be taken out of that hot zone in Kabul right now. And the Biden administration is just not getting it done. Biden himself should resign. He was never competent to serve as president. Um I've dealt with relatives who are in their declining years, let's say. Uh, something Jim Garrity mentioned on the corner at uh, Nash Review today was his headline was simple. There is something wrong with Joe Biden. And I think everybody listening to this has been screaming this. We saw him doddering his way through the primary debates, then through the general election debates. And uh, it's just one thing after another. He's just not up to the job. Uh you can say you could say it politely, as Jim mentioned. You're allowed to say things like, "Well, he's lost a step. He's not exactly the same guy." Um, no, it's much much worse than that. And uh, I don't wish to impugn him for age. You look at someone like, I don't know, uh, Donald Trump isn't much younger than him, and he he has more energy than I do, and I'm you know twenty thirty years younger than him. And uh, but Biden, he's just not with it. He contradicts himself constantly. He said there's no chance anything like what just happened in Kabul could ever happen. He said that like three weeks ago. And now he's saying, oh, we always knew it would be utter chaos constantly. So um, it, it's very concerning to see this happening. Of course, if he decides to step down or is booted, we're stuck with Kamala Harris, who's plummeting in the polls. Nobody likes her. And uh, obviously, Republicans don't like her. They're partisans. Democrats don't like her. She could not get all the way to the Iowa caucuses. She was uh, praised as a front runner when she first announced her candidacy. Oh, she'll be so great for the party. She's like another Obama. She couldn't even get to the first vote. She couldn't get to New Hampshire. She couldn't get to Iowa. So Democrats don't like her. And uh, also, too, they have the 25th Amendment. This is something that was talked about constantly during the whole uh, Trump era. Well, we can say that uh, the president is unable to fulfill his functions, so we can remove him even if he doesn't want to leave. Well, that has to start with the cabinet. It has to start with White House officials. have to bring it to Congress, and then it has to vote on this. Say it got through the House, which would be tough because all it takes is a couple, a handful of Democrats opposing it, and it wouldn't go through. Then say it moves on to the Senate, where the Senate has to vote on it. Well, the Senate is 50-50. And Kamala Harris would naturally take over. She's the vice president. But before she, she is the tiebreaker vote. But she couldn't vote on that because she cannot elect herself president. They actually have to choose a new vice president first. 
who the heck are they going to get to uh, go into this sinking ship? Uh, the vice president to answer to Kamala Harris, who, um, if it's possible, could be worse than Joe Biden. She is a true believer in her own brilliance and her own uh, woke plans that she'd have for the country. No one would be happy with that outcome, I think, whether they have a D, R, or I after their name. And uh, it's just a complete mess. So the 25th Amendment, yeah, it actually makes sense with someone like Joe Biden, who's just not all there anymore. Um, But instead, we're (laughs) just going to have the situation where we have to pretend like Joe Biden is control when he is not in control. We have to hope behind the scenes. I I know during uh, the general election, wrote an article for the Arizona Republic, which was filled with very supportive, welcoming comments. No, no, people in the comment section really don't like me there, I might add. Um, But just talking about how a Joe Biden presidency would almost be like a regency, like they had in medieval days when you would have a child on the throne and so you'd have a bunch of advisors making all the day-to-day decisions. I was thinking Biden would be surrounded with people like that. Apparently, he's not even surrounded with those kind of people. Uh, he still thinks he's running things somehow, and it doesn't look like it to any of us. Hey, we got to go to an ad break. Uh, give us a call if you want, 602-508-0960, and I'll talk to you on the other side. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth Liebson. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel being played in by some wonderful Van Halen. Uh, this is all taking me back to high school. This is great. Um, continuing talking about Afghanistan, if you do want to call in, I'm here till the top of the hour. 602-508-0960 is the phone number. Always appreciate your thoughts. Um, I, I really think uh, the situation in Afghanistan is a turning point. Um, I think I was too young to really be paying attention to anything going on. But from what I've read in my vague remembrance of it, of the time of just the 70s, it was just a time of national decline. Uh, you had Nixon. You had pulling out of Vietnam. You had Watergate. You had the fall of Saigon. You had gas lines. We had an oil crisis. Um, oil crisis is looking all too familiar. That could hit us at any time with uh, Biden stopping new drilling and uh, stopping pipelines every time he can, unless they're going to Russia and Putin. But it's just a situation where we just have national decline going on. And all I can hope, I'm usually not Mr. Debbie Downer, but it's it's hard to be optimistic about where America stands now. But I still think there's a silent majority out there uh, wanting America to stand up tall again, wanting all of us to succeed, wanting us to protect ourselves, to be safe. Uh, We don't need troops all over the world to do that. We just need smart leaders in the Pentagon and smart political leaders. And we do not have that right now. And uh, what I'm hoping for is voters just saying enough, enough, uh, instead of focusing on I don't know, installing transgender bathrooms in the Pentagon. Maybe we should actually protect the country. That's our job here. But you have a situation where America, our government, spends most of its time focusing on things government shouldn't be doing in the first place. So they can't do the basic things like protecting the country, uh, like making sure things operate properly, um, be it infrastructure, be it our military. These are the things they need to do. And that's what they should be focused on. Instead, it's just chasing whatever the scandal of the day is, kneeling in the halls of Congress or, you know, whatever uh, woke uh, virtue signaling thing they can do. They'd rather focus on that than just running the government. 
They have a limited set of things that they're supposed to be controlling. Just focus on those, and people would be a lot happier. When they start straying from those basic things they need to do, that's when people get frustrated. That's why uh, somebody, a caller, mentioned earlier about uh, just losing trust in our institutions around the country. Check out polling for this. I've written about this for the Republic. It's a situation where pretty much every institution in American life, I think they listed 15, only two of them were above 50% approval. One of those was the military. And uh, military is gone, going down, though. Um, it dropped something like five points last time they took a poll. I think it was about a year ago. And it's going to continue to drop. Uh, military was treated with a great deal of respect because of their commitment to honor and duty and these old-fashioned notions uh, that you know really calls back to the best that America is. Um, but instead, you have these the top brass in the Pentagon. And again, I'm only talking about them. Um, yeah, if you talk to any of your active duty military friends or vets as well, we all kind of roll our eyes at the top brass of the Pentagon because they're, by the nature of their job, they're politicians. And uh, they aren't the people leading troops in the field um, like officers. They aren't the staff sergeant. Uh, these are people who are trying to cater to the corridors of power. They're trying to cater to the White House. They're trying to cater to whoever happens to be running the Senate this week. That's what they're focused on, the politics of the situation. And we just need people in charge who care more about the country than they do about their own career. They care more about the country than that lobbyist who's hanging out in their office and promising, hey, when you retire, you can be a lobbyist and make millions. Uh, we need people who care more about the country and her people than they do about their own self-aggrandizement or protecting themselves from cancel culture mobs. Um, these are serious times, and it calls for serious people. And serious people in D.C. are in very short supply. And we kind of see that with everything in our media, just the trivialities they get distracted by, our business leaders uh, just trying to, again, do this virtue signaling dance, be it on COVID or social issues or anything like that. Your job is to provide good products and uh, to make people money. That, that's your job, business leaders. Focus on that. And uh, try to sell to people even if they don't agree with you politically. And uh, see the media environment, what it's pushing, nobody's buying anymore. We have people like our earlier guest, Kurt Schlichter, out there making his own culture and being rewarded handsomely for it. So I think it's just a situation where it's the time for serious people to start shining and to start stepping up and leading. What are the best ways, you know, people are like, well, what, what can I do? How can I fix Afghanistan? Yeah, you might not be able to fix that, but you can help your neighbor. You can uh, help a neighborhood organization, something at your church or synagogue. You can help uh, by running for election on your local school board. These are the things where we can change the world step by step and take this country back. Um, make America great again uh, might have just been a slogan, but um, it isn't that. Um, and the American people are the ones who make America great in the first place. And if we all put our hand to the plow and just really a lot of times just striking up a conversation with a neighbor, you'll find out, no, I'm not alone. Um, everybody isn't part of this uh, goofy liberal Borg that is being sold to us on most news channels and in the media. That's not where the American people are. Um, the vast majority of Americans respect the police. They love their country. They see an American flag and they smile. These are the majority of people. And uh, too many figures in the media and news environment uh, act like we're the weirdos. <laughs> we're the outliers out there. 
And that isn't the case at all. Um, I have two teenage daughters, and sometimes, you know, I haven't pushed politics on them a lot. I don't talk politics at home a lot. But they've just naturally come to conclusions more often than not, hey, what is going on here? Why, why are people telling me to change my language that I use every year I return to the schools? This is crazy. And I think, um, and that again, I'm not like pushing politics on them, but they're surrounded by decent people and decent friends of all races, different belief systems, and they all get along wonderfully. Um, especially, too, uh, we have the people who are opposing school choice all the time. And it's a situation where my girls have attended both charter schools and traditional public schools. Um, the charter schools have been vastly more diverse than the public schools in our neighborhood. We live out in the East Valley. And, yeah, they have friends from all over the place, other countries, and they all get along great. They aren't rioting in the streets. They aren't complaining about uh, the white oppressor. That's not where the American people are. And the media is trying to divide us every step they, of the way. They want us screaming at each other uh, because they'd rather that you yell at your neighbor than you yell at the politician who's supposed to be protecting you, protecting your property, and uh, providing a good environment for your kid to grow into. Uh, they would much rather have them uh, be kind of basically mobilize you against the other, someone in a different party or someone who lives on the other side of town or in a different state uh, because they don't want to take the heat. They don't want you criticizing them. Uh, the people who are kind of crashing this country into the carrier deck. Hey, we have just a few minutes left, but first we have a brief ad break, and then I will be back to wrap up the show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth Liebson. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm closing down at the top of the hour. It was great to chat with actual people. It, it was nice. I'm always just holed up in front of my computer, uh, slapping my fingers on the keyboard and writing stuff. So it's good to actually converse with people for a change. It's great. Uh, once again, I write for azcentral.com, post an article today about Afghanistan, talking a lot about what we've talked about this past three hours on this show and I've been talking with a lot of these people kind of offline <laughs> before I invited them as guests, all commiserating over the mess there. And I was like, hey, you want to come on the show? Uh, because uh, we need to vent live on air together. Um, but also, I'm the editor-in-chief of a site called ricochet.com. Check it out. It's a really good site. It's a subscription model. You can read all the stories on the front page, but you can also post your own stuff, listen to podcasts. I have one there called the King of Stuff, which was a nickname given to me. I assure you I did not uh, name myself that, uh, but it's good to bat around these ideas. And I want to thank um, not only you, the listeners, but also Seth Liebson. He has allowed me every once in a while to uh, get behind the microphone, and it's always a good time talking with old friends and new friends who call in. Uh, it's good to hear from you all. Uh, but again, as I was saying before, um, it's a situation where each of us can make America great in our own way. We can make our neighborhood great. We can make our county great. We can make our state great. And finally, enough of us are out here uh, to turn this thing around, uh, whether the politicians like it or not. Uh, just meeting on our own, just talking on our own. Um, so it is very easy when you're a news junkie, like I pretty much have to be, um, it's very easy to get down and say, ah, there's no hope. Everything's a mess. Wokeness is taking over. They're destroying the country. Yeah, they're trying to destroy the country, but uh, we have a big say in it. 
uh, by just standing up and saying no. There's a fantastic book released at the start of the year called uh, Live Not by Lies. It's by Rod Dreher, who writes for the American Conservative. And uh, he just talked about the experience of how the underground in all the communist countries in Eastern Europe, the Soviet Union and so forth, how people kept existing and even thriving um, in a situation like that. And uh, their little individual actions, meeting in groups on occasion, they brought down international communism in those countries. And uh, so all of us, we have a much better situation here. Um, and before it gets too bad, let's just say no, we're not going to live by these goofy lies you're telling us from news channels, from our media, from our politicians. No, we're not going to live by those lies. We're going to live by the truth. And uh, thankfully, 960 The Patriot is here to offer a little bit of that proof. Thank you very much for listening. Have a safe drive home or enjoy a nice dinner and enjoy your evening. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth Liebson. Thank you for tuning in. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.